0: Series 3 is kindly supported by Eagle Point Credit Management. Eagle Point Credit Management is a specialist investment manager principally focused on income-oriented credit investments in niche and inefficient markets. Founded by Thomas Majewski in partnership with Stone Point Capital in 2012, Eagle Point currently manages over $7.8 billion in AUM. Investment strategies pursued by the firm include collateralized loan obligations, CLOs, portfolio debt securities, and other opportunities across the credit universe. Currently, Eagle Point is the largest investor in CLO equity in the world and one of the largest non-bank lenders focused on providing financing solutions to credit funds. You can learn more about Eagle Point at eaglepointcredit.com. Since inception, Altura
1: has had a big belief and a commitment to be an impact investor. For that, that means three very specific things. The commitment to invest with diverse-owned businesses, the commitment to invest in low- and moderate-income communities, and the commitment to invest, creating high quality jobs. And when we are able to be flexible capital providers and really be a significant capital partner for the firm, and especially in situations where we can have control, that really allows us to execute well on our impact thesis.
0: I'm Devitt, and welcome to the 50 Faces podcast, a podcast committed to revealing the richness and diversity of the world of investment by focusing on its people and their stories. I'm joined today by Monica Mantilla, who is the President and CEO of Altura Capital, which provides institutional investors and strategic partners a mechanism of investing in underserved markets, including high-performing, small, and diverse businesses. She's also a co-founder and managing member of Small Business Community Capital, She's a member of the board of directors of Los Cidrines, based in Puerto Rico and Florida, as well as holding a number of other board roles. Welcome, Monica. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Ethan. It's a great pleasure to be here with you today. Well, let's start with where you grew up and the arc of your career before Altura Capital.
1: Yeah, well, I grew up in Colombia. I was born in in Bogota, Colombia. I studied law there. Then nine years, I spent in a global logistics company. That was a great opportunity for training, first in law, then in operations, in marketing. I ended up leading that organization for North America. And then I did a stint in investment banking, representing firms that were scaling up. That was also very, very interesting work. And then I went into investment management consulting, which was also Great exposure to understand the institutional marketplace and the opportunities it held, the challenges it held, and then back in two thousand and five, we founded Altura Capital.
0: So let's talk about Altura Capital. What led you to find that? What was the so the problem it was intended to solve? Was there a gap in the market that you were seeking to bridge? Yes, there was. I remember in working as an investment management
1: consultant we saw the numbers of participation of diverse owned and minority owned asset managers. The numbers were very low then. They continue to be very low today, but there's been tremendous amount of progress and and evolution. But the numbers still continue to be quite low to the point where out of the $82 trillion of assets managed in the United States, only 1.4% of those are managed by diverse firms. So, and those are numbers of today. Back on those days, they probably were even worse. But that's what I studied and began to realize was that many of these managers actually exhibited incredible strengths and above market returns and incredible growth potential. Yet they were not given the opportunity to compete or they were given very small opportunities to compete. So our desire then and our strategic intent when we started Altura, which, of course, has been a long journey and we've been transforming our business model as the market has evolved. But back then, it was that impetus to develop a technology and a consulting capability to allow institutional investors to better understand and be exposed to diverse money managers. And we gave them a tool that was called the Altura platform where they could compare diverse managers' performance against other managers in, in that same universe and mainstream managers. And it really provided a, a mechanism for parity of information so that those institutional investors that were interested in having more exposure to a wider segment of the investment community would be able to do it through our our mechanism. And then our model evolved where, and it was also a moment of challenge, that was a moment of opportunity in the financial crisis of 2007, 2008, we actually had a great opportunity to begin to work with some institutional investors, including the U.S. Treasury as a sub-advisor, where we got to dive in into the world of small businesses and capital flows into small businesses. And that created the impetus and the conviction that there was a need for better tools, both patient capital and strategic resources for Diverse business owners and lower middle market in general, small businesses and the lower middle market. And that's how we began to develop a model to invest. And we gathered a great group of institutional investors that backed us in that work and allowed us to create a strategy to invest in businesses across the country. And we've specialized in four verticals that are the ones that today we continue to invest in, which are business services, consumer products manufacturing, and healthcare. And so today we invest in in those businesses, both as a patient capital provider, flexible capital provider, and very importantly, we also give them operational and strategic support so that those businesses can scale up and can grow faster than they would without our support.
0: I'd love to dig into that a little bit. First of all, capital raising, why it remains such a barrier? to some of these diverse businesses. It seems like we could have had the same conversation 20 or 30 years ago, and I'm wondering how much has changed. And then the second part I'd like to explore is the nature of this flexible capital, why it's so important. Maybe you just start with the problem of capital raising, why you think it's still a challenge?
1: Yeah, so I do think there's been great evolution and it's interesting to see that there's a number of large institutional investors like a New York State Comptroller's Office, like the Knight Foundation, and I see examples in the healthcare industry. There's new players very interested in in really having the right exposure to all sorts of investment management talent. I think that sometimes it's a notion also of relationships and how the industry has been shaped, where there's also large institutional investors have a competitive advantage because they have very solid marketing firms. They've developed very solid relationships, and it's a machine that feeds and feeds, right? And when you're at hundred million, you can grow to two hundred. When you're at two billion, you can grow to three billion. It's that challenge of scaling up organizations, right, and developing the relationships so that you have an opportunity to add value in a portfolio. So I do believe that. There has been a lot of good wins that are providing more and more exposure to highly qualified diverse managers and and smaller managers, and that the market is changing because it is a transparency of information and opportunities to build relationships that perhaps didn't exist as clearly decades ago or years ago. But I, I do believe there's a very interesting trend happening in the market where there are a number of institutional investors, whether they're pension funds or corporate pension funds or family offices, endowments foundations, that are curious about the value proposition that a wider segment of managers can bring to the long-term sustainability of their portfolio. So I do see the world is moving in that direction. We're beneficiaries of that. But I, I also think that There's still the numbers, the the market share of diverse-owned firms is still incredibly small. So there's still
0: a lot of opportunity. And then the flexible capital you provide, what kind of impact have you found that has?
1: Yeah, so our reason for providing flexible capital is really driven by the market needs that we want to satisfy. We exist to serve the lower middle market, Businesses that are usually are at a million Ibida in some of our funds, at two million Ibidah at some of our other funds, and they have this potential to scale. And frequently they'll need a combination of debt and equity. And so we like to be that first institutional capital and combine both debt and equity to be able to create the right capital structure. We frequently co invest with partners, whether they're investors of ours or savvy investors in a certain industry, in a certain region where we like to team up to build value together. But being able to provide flexible capital or the majority of our capital is on the credit side. We also have some vehicles where we do only equity, but definitely being able to be a partner on debt and equity together is something that helps us satisfy the needs of the market we serve. We've also found that from an investment value proposition, it's a very solid one, especially for the market conditions we live in today. And thirdly, it's allowed us to execute on our impact thesis. Since inception, Altura has had a big belief and a commitment to be an impact investor. For that, that means three very specific things. The commitment to invest with diverse owned businesses, the commitment to invest in low and moderate income communities and the commitment to invest creating high quality jobs. And when we are able to be flexible capital providers and really be a significant capital partner for the firm, and especially in situations where we can have control, that really allows us to execute well on our impact thesis.
0: Moving then to some of the other causes that are close to your heart, the small business community capital, you're a managing member and co-founder of that. What do you do in that work? And how does that also tie back to your work at Altura?
1: Yeah, so all of our vehicles and strategies have the commonality of, of serving the same market, playing in the same verticals in the same industries with the support of great teams on each one of them, and also backed by great executive operating partners that are industry experts in each one of these verticals that come and work alongside us to help these companies grow What they have in common is also that impact commitment that I was describing to you. And when I think about what is still missing, right, how can we be propellers of a more efficient capital market, of more diverse businesses getting to maximize their potential and really scale up? I frequently think about these three elements, right, of one of readiness, right? How do we help continue to help companies? to be ready, to get the right capital, to get the right corporate relationships. So it's that notion of readiness. Then it's very connected to the notions of awareness, right? That people are in the market knowing that they could grow through acquisitions, that they could bring and build better teams, that there are opportunities to scale up with corporate America, right? So awareness is transformative. I've always said, Heard it many decades ago and have endorsed it as a credo. And then the third element next to readiness and awareness, I think, is the element of connectivity. Right. You might know about a resource and you might be ready. But if if you don't have the introduction, the connectivity to be able to access the right resources, that also creates a barrier. So we're always thinking about how to help companies to be ready, to be aware of what's out there for them, and to be able to connect them with the right operational resources, strategic resources, human capital resources, and corporate relationships that in our model have been a very valuable component. We've worked very closely with corporate America and their supplier diversity efforts to be able to create a win-win-win, right? Corporate America gets stronger suppliers, we get to invest well, And the diverse suppliers get to grow.
0: I love that, especially the point around awareness being transformative, because one of the questions I often get asked about women, say, entering the world of investment is, is it better to be aware that you're going to be underrepresented and be ready for that and prepare accordingly or not to be aware so that you're not put off? And I suppose the answer tends to be around awareness, but it is, it is interesting. I think certainly forewarned is forearmed when it comes to starting a new business, if you are from maybe an underrepresented group, and yeah, just right. in terms of the investment industry itself, given you've worked in it now for some time, we've spoken about capital raising and some of the evolution that you'd liked seeing there. How about the actual makeup of the investment industry of the allocators you speak with and just the different stakeholders. What grade would you say you would give the industry in terms of its diversity? And I'm particularly interested in the Latino representation because that's not something that we have as covered extensively on this podcast because we just haven't had that many guests at the stage.
1: Yeah, I think the numbers show us today a tremendous opportunity for transformation. I was sharing before the 1.4 percent of the 82 trillion of assets managed in the United States. So that for me is just a number that should be much larger. And the question is, how do we get there, right? What are the awareness and the connectivity and the readiness on the side of money managers that needs to happen? I think part of the recipe is delivering, right? That commitment to excellence, that commitment to building institutional models, that commitment to building relationships and honoring relationships. And really, when you given a small opportunity, as I always say, kill them with competence, right? When you're given a small opportunity and you prove you can do so much more, you typically are given that opportunity. We have the blessing of having phenomenal institutional investors that have been truly partners in helping us scale up and deliver consistently our our value proposition. So I would say maybe industry associations play an important role. Organizations like NAA, like NAIC, like NMSDC, like the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, the Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative, the Billion Dollar Roundtable, WeBank when it comes to women. There's there's a lot of industry associations that are being, and agencies, right? Like the recently very well-funded, the MBDA, the Minority Business Development Agency. And I know that In the world of today, Treasury, SBA, the White House, there are a lot of believers and advocates of transformation. I think that the role we need to play as asset managers is to continue to deliver on our value proposition and continue to deliver on every aspect of what means building an institutional and world-class organization so that those opportunities continue to be there. I think that That is the recipe and the recipe of continuing to build strong organizations and continue to build awareness and build bridges with institutions that perhaps are at a point today where they say, look, we haven't done a good job, but we're ready to change. I think a, a great example is the incredible work that the Knight Foundation has done. They were at a point years ago where they said my $3 billion in their endowment was not well diversified and they made a commitment to diversify it. And today, I think that a significant percentage of their portfolio is managed by diverse business owners. And they actually created a whole series of reports and white papers to help others that are equally enthusiastic about having exposure to other types of value creators. And I think that All the white papers and the research they've built has been incredibly valuable for the industry. So they've led with their example. And I think it creates a lot of optimism for organizations like ours when we see that there are a lot of efforts in the industry to change. And it's a two-way street, right? On the side of providers to continue to deliver and on the side of allocators to continue to open the opportunities for capable money managers.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for mentioning the names of those organizations because I was going to ask you to do that. So it's great. They certainly are are making huge strides in just building that community, that social capital, as well as amplifying some of the the voices of their members. So really important contribution. But just moving back now to some personal reflections. So you've had a a long career in financial services so far. Were there any highs and lows in there and maybe any lessons that you take away from some of those setbacks or low points?
1: Yeah. So many lows, many highs, right? That's, I guess, the journey of life and the journey of entrepreneurialism. Maybe one low and challenging point, but I know I wasn't alone, was the crisis, the financial, the great financial crisis, right, of 2007, 2008, that extended well into 2010. The market completely transformed. And it actually I remember reading the newspapers, watching the news, seeing how so many things were going through a very, very difficult national and global crisis. But that actually gave us a tremendous opportunity. And in, in the middle of that low and critical time came immense opportunity for us. So we had the great opportunity to work with some significant institutional investors and government in delivering some solutions to the crisis, that actually gave us tremendous visibility to the world of small business and to the world of capital flows, both debt and equity for small businesses. And so that created the visibility of a segment that we knew needed patient capital and needed strategic partners. And that was the genesis of our creation of our first vehicle to help small businesses, especially diverse owned businesses to be able to have the right capital and the right strategic resources to grow. So it's interesting out of what comes to my mind as one of the lowest points and deepest crisis for us and for the world and our country also came great opportunity. And then on the part of highs, I would say one of the most rewarding accomplishments and feelings is when you have the honor of having incredible relationships with your partners. And we've enjoyed relationships with very strong institutional investors that have been just truly great partners. And I think that that is an essential part in any business, right? To develop Strong relationships with your ecosystem, whether they are your clients or the markets you serve, getting to build strong relationships allows you to better understand their needs, to better satisfy their needs, to better understand the market, anticipate the market changes and deliver the right solution. So for me, that's one of the most rewarding things in the industry. I am in: mean, the joy of working with incredible people that we get to support, that they get to support us. And I think that's the journey of life ultimately, right? The satisfaction of knowing that there are people that you can add value to and that you've added value to their life and and their businesses.
0: Well, certainly relationships, networks, they come up time and time again as the most rewarding part of people's career and perhaps the most underestimated sometimes at the beginning in terms of how important it is to nurture them. And tied to that, I'd love to ask you about any particular mentor or sponsor that you had throughout your career or any just any key person who has influenced you in some way. Oh, many. I can tell you, I feel blessed
1: to throughout the journey of my life, been surrounded by great family, by great friends, by great colleagues, partners, clients, team I, again, think that that is one of the best things of life, right? The relationships that you get to develop. I'm going to mention two because they are probably the ones that have shaped my life the most. One is my mother, who is a historian, a PhD in philosophy, an incredibly bright woman who always energized me to think big and to be critical and to commit to excellence and work hard and be honest, be truthful. And everything she taught me are things that make who I am today. So, so grateful to have an incredible mother. And then my other big relationship is my husband. I've been married to him for 30 years. We've been partners in business for 18. And it's an incredible strength, right, to be in partnership with someone you respect and admire so much. And That we're just very complimentary in the way we deliver value and we think about building value. So, I would say those are some of my best relationships. I also want to mention there's someone very special that I've admired and that has been a great friend who has given me advice in difficult times, who has strategized with me in building businesses. She's a dear friend, she's also an investor. Her name is Jan Bergeson, and there's just many things that we've done together and that I just cherish the friendship and and the relationship. But I could tell you alongside Jan, dozens of people who have been incredible supporters to the work we do that I would be remiss if if I began to name them because they probably could do an 100 (laughs) name list of so many people that have been helpful in the work we do. And I also want to mention very importantly, when we build organizations, we're, we're just leaders. We're building a blueprint. What happens every day with the team that has the responsibility to execute and to be alongside you in the execution is, is everything. So I feel also very, very blessed to have a wonderful team of people who come every day committed Happy with innovation in mind, with the best of attitudes, and teams are everything. And that's something that is incredibly rewarding to be every day accompanied by great people that are helping us to deliver value to our clients.
0: That's so moving. And I I think I I learned a term for a couple that is entrepreneurial together. I think a couplepreneur or something like that. So maybe that's what you and your husband. Comprised. But, uh, I didn't uh, know the term. It's good to know it. The couple, yeah. cu- what, what, what is I it? think it's couple. called a couple printer. Or I'll, I'll find the actual <laughs> word, but we, I've interviewed some people who are a member of that. Well, my last question, Monica, is around any advice. I didn't know you had philosophy running so deeply in your family, but sometimes whether advice has come from that angle or from a practitioner in business. Was there any, and you mentioned already about awareness and how that is so key. Well, any other word of wisdom or any creed or motto that you live by?
1: I remember seeing the words of Gandhi when I was probably like 20 years old and I printed it and I put it in my computer and I've had it since of be the change you want to see in the world. And I think that sometimes people say, oh, but that's not possible. That's dreamland. And I actually believe firmly in that we can and should be the change that we want to see in the world. And I think that the other big motto that I always have believed in is self-reflection. It is very important to frequently, and I try to do it actually twice a day. I don't do it every day, but I try (laughs) to really reflect on what you're doing and why you are doing it and how you are doing it and if you would change anything. And sometimes it's trial and error, right? And you learn from success. You learn even more from failure. And then you adjust. You recalibrate. And I think that I don't talk about defeats or successes. I do like to celebrate successes because it's important to celebrate successes. It gives you those rewarding moments, give you something to celebrate and and the energy to move forward. But I think the power of self-reflection is incredibly important I also think the power of gratitude is incredibly important in the middle of challenges. Just turn the page and say, okay, what am I grateful for? What are things that are working well and that we need to celebrate and enjoy and and move forward with those? And I go back to the power of relationships, right? The best energizers in my life are always those people that love us, that support us, that believe in us and that listen, right? And I always want to be That person, as well, for others to be able to help each other in the journey of life and build value together and build happiness and stability together. I think that in the work that we do, we also are very, very privileged because we get, by doing the work we do, to, as we say, our purpose of Altura, the purpose of Altura is very clear it's to transform societies through entrepreneurial success. And so when we look at business models. And we say, hey, this can make a community better. This can make humans better. This can add value in a way that is going to improve quality of lives or close health disparities or provide better solutions to certain communities. That's incredibly inspiring and incredibly energizing to be able to be in a business where you can deploy capital and work with smart entrepreneurs and be backed by great institutional investors to help us transform societies through entrepreneurial success.
0: That is a a wonderful way to end our discussion, I think, Monica. The companies you work with can't always have it easy in terms of sometimes it is a a struggle to raise capital, but you bring such a, a sense of resilient optimism. That your energy and warmth is really quite infectious and quite a a tremendous asset to our industry to have someone like you channeling this flexible capital essentially where it's needed. And I can't thank you enough for coming here and sharing your insights with us.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for sharing our story. Every time I have an opportunity like this one, I focus on what will inspire others? What will be a tool for others? Because I think there's just a lot of good things that we can do and should do. And sometimes people say we can't build our future, but we absolutely can. And we should always be building our future. And thank you for the opportunity to be here with you today. Have loved your prior podcast. You also are doing some incredible work and in the investment world, doing an incredible work. You're a very accomplished individual in the world of finance. So congratulations to you and the incredible work you've done.
0: Well, thank you so much. I have lots of wisdom to take away from this. I'm Ethan David. Thank you for listening to the 50 Faces podcast. If you liked what you heard and would like to tune in to hear more inspiring investors on their personal journeys, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice and all views are personal and should not be attributed to the organizations and affiliations of the host or any guest.